0: Hey, this is Chris, and thanks for listening to the China on Podcast. We want to hear from you, so we implemented a system, and it's called Pod Inbox. So if you want to leave us a message, give us some feedback, or interact with us directly, go to www.podinbox.com slash China It happened in, uh, in Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> that
1: sounds about right.
0: <laughs> all right, you, uh, you guys want to get rolling? Hit it. All right, dude. Well, it's already live. So Beautiful. all those horrible things that you just said, uh, we've got them on camera and on audio. So
2: what it is, no turning back. Prepare inside. to be
1: fired, buddy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, thanks for joining me, Mason. Thanks for joining us, dude. Yeah, dude I appreciate say, it
1: especially if, with that cool shirt you got on man thanks how many yeah you thought shirt? it was
0: mine but it's I, actually it's called compound they're out of sarasota oh i should get sponsored by them i maybe. basically have i think i've worn a compound shirt maybe like a third of all the podcasts that i've done so far
1: yeah i mean i just like it with the florida flag i think that's pretty cool yeah how many do you own compound shirts
0: compound shirts i have the bird shirt uh, I think I've like seven compounds. He's actually wow. like
1: an eighty-year-old man. He just goes in there to the store and buys Only one for search. every a week. Yeah, <laughs> dude,
0: that's I'm totally there. I understand. Like, <laughs> probably three years ago, I started to realize why dads do what they do with all the stuff. Like, I just buy buy the clothes that I like, and then I just wear them for two or three years until like they're they're done. Yeah, onwards. you know, like I don't. It's, yeah, it's. It's what I do now. It's it's where I'm at. Got a baby on the way, and that's you know that's. How long until the New Balances,
2: dude? It's I I don't think the New Balances are happening. First off, there's
1: no, there's no, there's no, nothing wrong with some New Balances. Well,
2: whatever you got on right now, those are kind of the equivalent of
0: New Balances. These are going to be the New Balances. I got these shoes called Ons. I know about them. Yeah, and my friend said, my friend Jesse's like, yeah, you got croutons on your feet. These are going to (laughs) be. These are the next. These are the next new bounces. I'm I'm pretty sure this is what I'm going to be wearing for probably the next 30 to 40 years. (laughs) And this is what my kids will make fun of. Just the ones. That's it. Yeah. Do they make sandals too? I don't
2: think so. No. I don't know. Why the hell are we here today? Listen, I was at the gym about a month ago. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. Take it back to the beginning. Listen, and I see Mason and I say, Mason, can you spot me on the bench press? And he's like, like the good friend Mason is, he says, of course I can. And our- my, A lot of weight on this bench press. There wasn't so. that much weight. It was not much at all. 135. There was more than 135. So <clears throat> I asked Mason to spot me and he does. And we start talking and I ask him because Mason posts religiously your, your books, your rating scale of the books that you read. So we get into this long stoicism conversation and
1: <laughs> now here we are.
0: Yeah, and kind of any chance that Mason gets to put his nuts anywhere near another guy's face, he's like, yes, I'm well,
1: in. Well, Matt Reed yeah. can do no wrong in my book. Thanks, Mason. Yeah. I've always, I've always been loyal to Matt Reed to a fault. Defended him too many times. Turned the blind eye to bad performances at work yes. and Unbelievable. stuff.
0: No, it's but it's believable. You're actually, a horrible it's, performer. It's probably actually. true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. We all worked together at one point. We did, yep. Do you know,
0: do you remember how we first met like the first, the first, uh, like interaction we had as you being my boss. Do you I, remember? I that? don't
1: remember that actually. And I'm, I'm kind of worried about it. Now.
0: <laughs> I won't give the specific verbiage, but basically you were like, Hey, uh, Chris, I'm really <laughs> thirsty. <laughs> yep. Could you, could you go fill up my water? And I was like, no dude are you are you kidding and you're like come on come on dude just fill this up and i was like no fuck you man i'm not (laughs) filling this up and you're like fine i'll go fill up my own water (laughs) you got a lot of people to fill up your water
1: i know it's just a good manager I think I filled up your water. Yeah, you filled up my water a lot. Fucking bitch. Why Matt, that's why Matt, that's why Matt you, got the you, best shifts. You, yeah. <laughs> you talk about I got the worst shifts. With both of you, we were uh, all you the worst shifts. You got to, well, yeah, that's true. Oh, man. Yeah, that that's night.
2: where we bonded was the night shift. Yeah, so There's something about running through the you know, tough times that make it a little bit more bearable. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. You remember that one night?
0: I don't know if you were there, but where there was one night where we had fucking no cars and we were we were legit like running triangles. Oh, I was there. Were I was, you there? That's the night? manager. Yeah. Dude, that was nuts. Dude, yeah. That was, was wild. Knocked. For like probably two full hours, we ran back and forth like ran to the back, get a clean car, yeah. drive it up, run over to the returns, Dude, drive it, it around.
2: over. Yeah. yeah. Run you know, back.
1: Yep. You know my favorite um memory was for that though when we didn't have uh the cars was uh we had 10 like convertible deals coming in in the night and Clayton uh you got remember Clayton Oh right? yeah yeah Clayton got all 10 10- People, <laughs> like every time he went to help out a customer, he got everyone that had a convertible res, and he just looked at me every time, and I had to go apologize. I mean, I probably, I probably gave away like five thousand oh, dollars. <laughs> it just no. basically like, hey, make whatever car you want, it's free. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's all you could do those yeah, nights. Yeah. yeah You know what the best part about those? When I closed up, there's like five. Mustangs, just like parked convertibles. I'm like, where were these? <laughs> yeah, that's the way it goes. Is what. Terrible happens. on my management staff for not knowing that, but besides the point. But yeah, no, Matt. uh Matt was in the gym for ten minutes, and I talked to him for fifty minutes about uh stoicism yeah. and American history. I think I got two lifts in
2: total. He didn't at all, but it was fine though because a lot of people won't. Yeah, talk a about mental workout.
1: Things. Yeah, I did get a mental workout. One
2: hundred percent, it was a sort mental like, workout, like, dude. <laughs> hey.
1: Hey, good to see you, man. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> when do you come in the gym usually, Mason? <clears throat> oh, usually come in the morning. All right, cool. <laughs> in the afternoon, every day. Never seen him again. <laughs> I haven't been in a while.
2: I haven't been in town for a few weeks. Uh, so I've, I haven't worked out since I, then since that day. I think I've had one workout.
0: Dude, Matt's, so Matt's been avoiding everybody. I don't want we to see any of you. We were supposed to do this podcast two weeks ago. He fucking mails anthrax to his grandpa and oh my God. fucking <laughs> postpones this whole meeting. We've been waiting for this this whole time. I'm sorry, boy. That's fucking rude, dude. Now I'm here, and now we can do
1: this.
0: (laughs) So, I guess this is another episode of Matt and Chris's book club. Welcome to the book club, Mason. So, uh, today, on today's episode, we're going to be talking about First Principles by Thomas E. Ricks. Mm. So, yeah, we got into this because you actually recommended this. Oh, yeah, that's
1: a a 10 out of 10 for me.
0: Dude, this is a pretty sweet book. Yeah. Honestly, like, I'm maybe two-thirds of the way through this thing, but... This actually changed my perspective on like the founding fathers and really like all of this stuff, how it came to be it just, it's a, it's like a way different take on any of this stuff than I've heard it really looks at like the, the mindset and like kind of their direct writings and actions that led to like the founding of the country.
1: Well, it's, it's what influences them. So it's, yeah. you know, if we, when we get taught in school, like what do we, what do we get told? This happened in 1776. Then the Constitution happened in 1789. Washington was first president. Then he died. Uh, John Adams then became president, not a popular president. Well, it's okay. John Adams did a crap ton of stuff 30 years before that. And same as Thomas Jefferson and James Madison. They did all this stuff, but it's ultimately, they weren't just born and came up with this great idea that became the united states it was okay what influenced them what was their model for it and that's what i think i liked about it the most was because i'm also a big roman history person so it was kind of like speaking just straight to me in a way yeah that's why i liked it so much
0: yeah dude it was pretty cool to see like how much influence that that had on them i didn't know that like back in the 1700s and stuff all these people were like all of their writings they cited romans and greeks and, and all this yeah. kind of stuff like i don't fucking know any romans or greeks you know like caesar you know aristotle plato and that's maybe it. pythagoras and that's like pretty much it now and and now we think like we're really smart and all this <laughs> stuff and it's like oh shit all these people in the 1700s like could like easily cite
2: all of this yeah. different stuff, you know, not to jump ahead, but I think it was Jefferson in this book. Can you talk about him being 14 years old and like already being able to quote like all these stoics and these old Romans. And I just think about in today's world and how ignorant I am. And probably most people are to like, well, all, like how big of a genius are these people that they,
1: their education was different. Yeah. So math, mathematics, for instance, wasn't a huge focus for them. So if they had a, a classical education, it was literally what we would deem the classics. So they studied Roman history, uh, Greek history, uh, you know, the history of the Bible. All this stuff is very religious time, but this is also during the Enlightenment period. So you had a lot of new age thinking and a lot of you know classical liberal liberalism now coming to the forefront. So when you actually look into it more, maybe Jefferson, when he wrote the declaration, wasn't actually the you know, original thought for him. You had a lot of influences that came about that. Sure. But that's kind of
0: like, it's almost like everything though, right? You look at good artists, you look at good musicians, you look at like good writers, all that kind of stuff. They are just taking from the past. That was one realization I kind of had with all this shit too, is... Man, we, we think that so much of this stuff is novel and that you know, no time before us has ever gone through this, but people have literally been going through these same struggles and these same problems and same thought processes for at least thousands of years that we know of. If they were going through this in Greece and then they were going through it in Rome, enough so much that they had all this documentation that the people that built our country could go back and cite this stuff fucking 1700 plus years later. Like there must've been a lot of shit going on in Rome that people were like keeping track of if they can go back and get this. I'm
1: glad you brought that up because to really understand why the country it was and the things that they were really concerned about, you have to know what happened in Rome, ancient Rome and Mm -hmm. why the Republic fell apart. So, you know, Rome, the city when it was founded, it was just the city. It was just that little area in Italy. Well, fast forward, say over two hundred years span, three hundred year span, whatever, um, you know, they started conquering other Italian tribes. Now, these Italian tribes weren't Romans. They were still considered allies. So they would they had a complicated web of alliances, tributes, you know, those people couldn't vote in the Roman elections and when I say elections it's not how we think of our elections today not every vote counted it was based on you know kind of your your class so like the patricians the senatorial class obviously their vote had a lot more weight well then they fought the other Mediterranean superpower the city-state called Carthage which was all about trade. They had a trade network that was basically the entire Western Mediterranean and controlled half of Sicily, uh, Corsica, and all a bunch of islands in the Western Mediterranean. And where part, is Carthage? It would be modern day Tunisia. So if you take Sicily, oh, I, absolutely. <laughs> so, so if you take Sicily yeah. and and like draw a diagonal to North Africa, that's where it would be. Oh, so it was a maritime power. Oh, okay. Yeah. So once Rome started taking more over Italy, right? Uh, and, and I'm jumping backwards a little bit too. Before Carthage and Rome fought each other, you actually had this guy named Pyrrhus of Epirus, which is Western like Greece um, nowadays. And the Greeks had colonies in Southern Italy. Well, they were worried about Roman power, they called him over. Everyone, every Greek at that time now wanted to be the next Alexander the Great. So he comes over, fights the Romans. He beats them in two battles, tries bribing them for um, peace. Well, the Romans at the time put such an emphasis on virtue and honor and service to the state, to the republic, that they basically said, I would rather be a poor person. Like the guy he tried bribing said, I'd rather be a poor, free person person with my honor and my city than be a slave to a tyrant yeah so well the reason why i say this though is because if you fast forward to the end of the republic you had people that were just doing whatever they could to get rich for power all this stuff so the reason that why that is is because italy at the time was poor like they didn't have gold they didn't have resources or anything like that what the romans did was they actually lost a lot of battles but they would just keep fighting the war till they won. Because they had the resources to they do it? They had the manpower. Okay. The man reserves. So after they beat Pyrrhus of Epirus, next big clash is with Carthage. They fought Carthage for th- the first Punic War was for 30 years. Wow. So, and, and we think like, you know, and nowadays say like uh, 50,000 people die, right? We think, oh, that's really bad. This is over 2,000 years ago where hundreds of thousands of people died in this war over a 30-year period. So Whoa. they were killing each other.
0: And if you look at the the general population too, the overall size, the amount of people on the earth was yeah. way smaller. Yeah. So that's like an even bigger impact.
1: Yeah, yeah. Wow. So, so after they beat Carthage in that first war, and because that war lasted so long, you have multiple generations now that are fighting it. Well... Carthage. Part of that peace treaty was that they lost all their claims on Sicily. They lost a lot of islands. They're not allowed to have a navy anymore. They have to pay basically a war, um, like reparation. Yeah, reparation. They gave them a lot of things. Well, what Carthage ended up doing was they started expanding in Spain. And one of the guys who ends up taking over the army in Spain is this guy named Hannibal, who actually got me my my job. Which I brought him up in an interview. Yeah, I, re-
0: <laughs> I remember you were telling me you were telling me
1: the interview answer. It's actually it's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, so he's the guy that, you know, when you're taught in school, he marched from Spain over the Alps into Italy and started fighting the Romans in Italy. Well, everyone thinks, oh, he crossed the Alps with he had elephants with him. Well, what Hannibal did though was his army was made up of People from North Africa, Spain, Gaul, so modern France, and then he ended up getting some Italians to join him too. So you hey. had a, Yeah, you had a bunch of... Uh, because his strategy was, in the first war, Rome never had to fight on their own soil. And because Rome's control of Italy was based on this network of allies and everything, if he could show that he could beat the Romans in Italy, it would break up all these alliances. Well... He won a, a lot of like, honestly, it's probably like some of the best like tactician battles ever fought. Like uh, the battle at Cannae, he wiped out like 70,000 Romans in a battle. Whoa. And the long-winded answer, but Washington was influenced by a guy named Fabian mm-hmm. who got the, um, he was charged with fighting Hannibal. And he came up with what we call now the Fabian strategy, which was basically, I'm just going to contain him. I'm not going to fight him in a pitched battle. I will fight out. If he sends people out to get food, I'm going to attack those people. But I'm not doing a decisive battle, which Washington, after the battle in New York, which they got trounced, just he didn't fight a major battle for a long time. He just did little skirmishes and basically kept a... you got the people in the war until the British were like, yo, this isn't even worth it anymore. Yeah. So, yeah. You know what I thought was cool about that
0: too, is not even just the, the mindset that you can see that they picked up from like ancient Rome and all these different things, but really is like those kinds of lessons. So like, you know, you always hear like George Washington was like a, really a terrible general and all this kind of stuff like I don't know if you guys ever heard like people say that like oh you know he really wasn't that good of a military general I, I don't know I've I've heard that a bunch of times but after hearing this and then seeing like okay we have been fucking slaughtered each time we go into these heavy battles with the British that's what I know that's my historical past that's what congress wants that's what all these people want is to us to have this big grand battle and all this stuff but after getting like smashed he turned back to these lessons of ancient rome and takes this different approach and he's like under pretty like heavy scrutiny from a lot of people for taking this approach because they think it's weak they think it's indirect they think it's a losing thing and he's really scrambling but it is kind of cool to see not just what gets written in the Declaration of Independence or what gets written in the Constitution be influenced by this stuff, but literally the way that he had to change his war strategy in order to preserve this, like, super fragile fucking thing that was, like, the birth of America. I thought that was really cool. Yeah,
1: which I think also, too, to his credit, which another thing we don't, I mean, when we look at Washington or any of the founding fathers, we look at when they're, older right when we see his picture on the dollar bill when he was president washington when he became the general was i think in his he was like 43 yeah Uh, so he's he's not an old guy at all um which the other thing too which makes it crazier about it is that he was totally unqualified for (laughs) leading an army i mean the uh which it tells a uh, a sad excuse of how prepared you know the colonies were for any sort of war was that Washington was the best person at the time. I mean, there's other leaders, but he actually had battlefield experience, but he only led a regiment, which is about like, say like 900 men during the French and Indian war. But he never led a, I mean, when he took over at Boston, I think there was like 12,000 troops there. Um, wasn't, maybe I
2: read this wrong. There was, during like, our, when we gain our independence, there was only a little over a million people in the Americas. Is that true?
1: Like 3 million. 3 million, okay. 3 million. Still, and, compared to today, and, that's, and, that's tiny. And like 500,000 of them were slaves. Yeah. So, really? Yeah, that would go into that population. Wow. They still did that in the census. It's unbelievable. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. Um, Which, they're, I mean, they're not going to probably have them fight too much. I mean, there were... African Americans that fought, but they're not going to. Washington wasn't going to take any of his slaves to go fight. You know? Yeah, yeah, just how it was back then.
0: It's pretty fucked up. That's it, it was kind of. It's it's kind of one of the parts of this book too that I didn't even realize like how much slavery was like woven into just the creation of the country and everything. It's yeah. pretty. It's pretty dark, but it's like it's like a fucking matter of fact of the situation. And it's, it's like part of what shaped some of this stuff today, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, at the time in 76, I'm pretty sure every colony had slavery was legal, but the majority of the slaves were in Virginia and North Carolina. And then fast forward to the constitution, the convention, that was basically a taboo subject. And you had some of the slave States that were saying like, if you guys are gonna press this issue, we're not gonna join. Yeah. And then even once it happened, I mean, Ben Franklin right before he died, he uh voiced, you know, for abolition. Um, and you had representatives of some of the slave states there saying, like, what the hell? We would not have joined if if you brought up slavery. Yeah. So Unfortunately, it was just a series of compromises which ended up leading to the Civil War. Yeah, but at the forefront of everything, in the Civil War, and I mean, this would be a debate till the end of time, probably as long as we're a country. But my, at the core of everything with the Civil War, slavery is always a, a central piece. Yeah. yeah,
0: I've I've talked to people that are like, well, it really wasn't
1: about that. It's like, uh, the the problem know. with that though is that you have. You do have people like Jefferson, who Jefferson was kind of like the romantic founding father. He was a great writer. He never gave any speeches or anything like that. He's yeah. very awesome with writing. He's a man of uh, I don't. He had like he was the idealist, but Jefferson, before he became president, was like the state's rights guys. He was the state right guy. Like he was saying, the federal government shouldn't have as much power. The states need to decide you know what is going to impact the people that live in the states because they're closer to the people so, so he didn't want the centralized government then or he was an no. anti-federalist uh yeah i mean they they he called himself a republican but nowadays we it, it was like a different type of republican cuz it was uh it was like a jeffersonian is like Modern day, what people call it now? Yeah, didn't it become like Federalist versus the Je-
0: Jeffersonians? Oh, yeah, nice, God. dude. <laughs> my, right on my, my, my fucking computer, you you know? dude. <laughs> You're gonna ruin the whole fucking show. <laughs> All right,
1: dude. Here, pause, pause it up. Pause no, up. Let me go we're we're still rolling. Hey, grab me a All beer. Right. You want a beer? Yeah, yeah, grab. Don't spill it though. Oh, I'm don't watch what.
0: And get me a get me a beer too. Why not?
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah, no I not. want a Yingling too. Thanks. You can edit that out,
0: right? Did no, we're not. To? We don't need to edit it out. <laughs> the world needs to know what we're dealing with well, now
1: that he's gone. Um, uh, but Matt, now that you're
0: gone, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I like so. Let me let me if I can pull up some of these chapters, maybe this will get my my fucking brain going because I was like I was kind of surprised about the way that some of the stuff came about. I always liked Jefferson he was he's like kind of like I don't know in my mind he's like my favorite guy, I think, but this book definitely don't step on that wire. This book definitely sheds a different light on that. He's kind of a so at least as far as i've read i just like that i do like the more like idealistic stuff all of that kind of stuff and i think you know he's got that quote like i like the dreams of the future better than the you know the tales of the past whatever it is the problem
1: with jefferson though is some of the stuff he said was like dude what the f- fuck are you talking about Really? Right now? yeah like he so i can relate to that uh, <laughs> you know? it's, it's, that might be why i like jefferson well jefferson i mean y- you basically have to take what he said at the time in his life you know he was like the revolutionary guy at all times um like he he has a quote uh i don't think it's in that book but he has a quote that says something like every generation should come up with its own laws. Jefferson. Yeah. But then fast forward, he is kind of one of what we would call today a constitutionalist saying like, we need to stick to these. Don't, don't advert from the constitution like, you know, at all. But it's, you know, okay. You said this like 20 years ago that, you know, every generation should come up with their own laws, which would probably lead to anarchy. Um, Yeah.
0: I don't know. Like I'm, I'm torn between both of those because I feel, I feel the same way, but also my thought on that kind of changes from day to day, right? Like, Oh, I, as, as I'm in a, a position, I think a certain way. And then as you learn more and you grow, like your opinions do change at yeah. least, at least that, like, I can, I can relate to that. It seems like the others were more like steadfast in their approach. Like Washington uh, was like, seemed like as far as I can tell, like a good solid person, he was like very like focused on whatever he was doing and didn't stray from that. Like Madison seems like he was just a fucking like political. Madison's a genius, genius dude. I didn't, I didn't not know anything about him.
1: Madison's probably the best as far as like a political science thing. As far as I know, he's probably the best one in American history.
0: You know what was cool about him reading was, um, was like the fact that he knew all of this stuff about ancient Rome, ancient Greece, all these different things, the way their politics worked, um, what worked, what didn't work. But then the thing I actually kind of like respected about what he did that was different was he didn't just keep going back to that same old thing of like, Well it's been done here, so we must do this and we must do that. It was like All right, we know all these things that work and and what doesn't work, we really know what doesn't work. Like, how do we actually move this thing forward and create something entirely new that's never been done before? That was really impressive to see him bring like I don't know, thousands of years of like learning and writing all together and come up with something like the Constitution. What I,
1: what I really liked about it was, you know, on that, probably what the chapter you're referring to was Madison literally, and Jefferson was overseas, right? He's an ambassador, I believe to France at the time. He is begging Jefferson to send him every single book on these topics Mm -hmm. and he just locked himself up into, in his house for however many long and just read as much as he could on the topic. So it's not like they went in gung-ho, but also it's not like, oh, let's do this and, you know, all this stuff. So it it's, uh, and I think this is just on like a personal, something that just frustrates me more than anything. Cause I mean, even me, like I'm a big history person and I didn't really know everything that there is to know about the founding or anything like that. But I think, uh, you know, the average person doesn't understand how much work went into and why the system was set up, how it was because they studied why past republics fell and why they led to civil war or, or anarchy or uh, monarchy or tyranny and all that jazz. Yeah. It's pretty cool that somebody
0: would think like that, you know, like, all right, well, we don't know how to move forward. Let's, Let's look at what didn't work in the past, but then roll it out on a fucking scale to
2: <laughs> build a country. Yeah. Do you think that's why Washington placed so much emphasis on virtue is because that was something that held I, strong? I think,
1: I think they were all obsessed with it in a way. I mean, if you hear any of them uh, in all the letters that they write, they all, they always bring up virtue. Yeah. Um, they bring up virtue, but virtue to them is different than what we deem virtue. I mean, virtue to them was kind of, uh, doing public good. And then there's like, you know, there's a stoicism virtue, which is, you know, there's like the tenets of that. But, and that probably influenced them a little bit. I mean, how could it not? But it it's, um yeah, virtue is something important, but virtue doesn't run a government though. Yeah. That's the only downside.
0: Well, that's what they, that's what they realized was kind of like the limitations, right? So that, that was where they, went, they did the declaration, they had the war, they started to put the constitution together, but they had the, 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 what are they? The articles, uh, articles of confederation, articles of confederation. And as they went through some of this stuff, a lot of the articles, according to this book is, it was, it was all really based on like virtue and people's being good and doing good and kind of mm-hmm. relying on that. And then they kind of hit like almost a breaking point of what that would really get you, you know like human they kind of even George Washington wrote it he's like there's only so far that we can really rely on human virtue yeah. and the goodness of people to do the right thing and steer this thing in the right direction that would actually help this country like survive and thrive i don't know that was, it was kind of cool to see that realization of. Like we have to embed human nature into this like foundation, yeah, in order for this to work and scale.
2: Well, that's kind of when you say that that it, the virtue kind of set the cement of the foundation, because then I know <clears throat> towards the end of the book how they t- um, Rex talks about how the our more or less this whole thing America is an experiment and it's ever changing and we need to change with it. So that's great that that was there in the beginning and i think it was the the foundation but to see these guys push it forward and
1: evolve is, is pretty wild yeah i mean for their time they were the radicals i mean this was uh it's it's called a revolution for a reason um this was very radical thinking and the the person i don't think i mean all all four of them had played enormous parts um with the founding of the country and everything especially the first 3 And then you throw in a lot of others like Benjamin Franklin, for instance. Um, But Washington is like in the Pantheon. He's Mm -hmm. Zeus by a lot. And I think that people don't really understand that he was truly indispensable in the, in the beginning. This whole thing wasn't going to work because when you get into the constant, I mean, let's be real. Washington was ambitious. He would not have, gone as far as he was if he was in, wasn't. Sure. But he was definitely, you know, kind of like the Teddy Roosevelt saying, speak softly, carry big stick. Yeah. Um, you know, and by him stepping up to be president and some of the decisions that he made, such as not getting us in, in the European war, which that's a whole nother segment we can <laughs> talk about is what's going on over there with then that led to the rise of Napoleon. but. Washington stepping down after the second term, which they basically begged him to join uh, or to stay on as president because that's when the partisan party started to start by him stepping down after the second term is basically saying this needs to work without me. And that's why he retired. And plus he was, I think with him, he was getting older and he, he was kind of seeing like, don't want to do this. Like, and plus if you look at his career, too, he's made a uh, kind of the uh, uh, giving up power act was like his calling card. Mm-hmm. He, he wanted to be Cincinnatus, which is uh, uh, another Roman legend. Which who knows if that guy even existed?
0: So, what was what was Cincinnati, Who was Cincinnatus? I forget okay. what the
1: the so so with him. Cincinnati was, this is before Rome became a, an empire and all this stuff. So when it's still a really small city, part of their, in the Republic, if they were faced with a really grave emergency, they would assign a dictator. Well, Cincinnatus was on his little farm and they said, Hey, we're under attack. Uh, we've named you as dictator to defend the Republic. And when you get dictator, Everything else is suspended, and you know you have unlimited power, control of all the armies, so he defeats the enemy in like supposedly like two weeks, and they set up six month terms as a dictator. Well, after he defeats the enemy, saves the city, turns over power, gives us, gives up the sword, and just goes back to his farm. so that's the Cincinnatus model, and Washington. You know that's something that he is considered. He's the American Cincinnatus, or the American Cato, and we can talk about my boy Cato. But um, let's talk about your boy Cato. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was
2: interesting the the whole play play deal. Yeah, he, he, he'd be having his troops do that the Cato play. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So we were talking about Rome, right? And so Rome, after they they fought Carthage in the Punic War, well, when they defeated Hannibal, right. They took over almost all of Carthage's overseas territories, which was basically modern day Spain. And um, so they now basically control all of Western Mediterranean and Carthage is now uh, a subject state to them. So they have to pay them a treaty. If, if, they, if Rome says, okay. give us troops, they have to give them troops. Um, they, they can't do anything without Rome saying, giving them the thumbs up. Well, fast forward over the next like fifty years, Rome just explodes. They conquer most of Greece. They do Western uh, Turkey. Um, they end up conquering Carthage completely and just you know wiping it off the map. Um, and they start expanding a lot more. Well, the Republic wasn't made to really oversee uh, control a a big empire like that, and now you have a lot of money being pumped in to the republic so you have senators after their consuls and um going overseas and being governors and they just start draining the province that they're uh for um for money and then they're going back home and bribing the voters to win elections so sounds um <laughs> <laughs> Sounds oddly reminiscent of
0: <laughs> some things that may be happening right now. Yes.
1: The other thing too, which which uh, there's there's a lot of things that led up to the fall of the republic, but everyone agrees that it starts with the the Gracchi brothers, um, which they see this corruption start, and they start doing uh, things such as land reform. So you have you have the Roman soldier had to own a certain amount of land. Well, if they're going overseas to fight in say Spain or in Greece or whatever, their farm is not going to be able to be, be run. So when they get home, their land's worthless. So what do they do? They sell it to some rich Senator who stays home. When they go on campaign, they kill the men, enslave all the people. They capture a lot of slaves. So, these rich people that have these plantations they have slaves working it the actual roman citizens don't have jobs so wait hold on say say this again so so the the roman law was to f- be in the to serve in the army to serve in the legion you had to own a certain amount of land so it was all landowners so when you're fighting for the republic you're fighting for your land you're fighting for your home so that way
0: for for those type of people it there was an actual reason more than just money, money yep. to be fighting. That's where you kind of pump in this virtue
1: yeah. side of things.
0: But yeah. it's, it's kind of like a practical thing too.
1: Yeah. So that goes back to, you know, fast backward, like say 200 years when Pyrrhus was fighting the Romans, he tried bribing them, which was normal for Greeks to do to each other. And that Roman uh, aristocrat was like, I'd rather be poor and free in my own country than a slave to a tyrant well because you have so many romans that you know are overseas losing their lands and that they can't pass any sort of land reform um the gracchi brothers long story short they both get assassinated and they are what we would call populist po- uh politicians and the problem with that though is that because they were rabbling up the mob per se a lot of the uh, elite class in Rome saw, thought that they were trying to take power and subvert the republic. Well, fast forward another thirty years, Rome is getting their asses kicked in a couple of wars all at the same time. They're fighting on. They're fighting like three major wars at the same time. So they pass um, this guy named Marius passes a uh, they he gets through a, a reform that eliminates the land qualification. The problem with that though is you now have these soldiers that are no longer loyal to the power of the republic and the senate they're now loyal to the commander of that army that's going to be able to get them the most loot so okay so you basically take basically take
0: an entire population of people that are fighting for their land and and either slowly or quickly however fast it was Turn them into like a legion of mercenaries, basically.
1: Yeah, okay. it, it's now what we would call a professional army. Like they're like their soldiers now full time. So, but now you have rivals that become commanders that are now trying to enrich themselves to pay their soldiers. And then part of the deals that they would offer these soldiers was when they retired was, I'll pass uh, legislation for you to get land, uh, your own land. So you have. Say, pe- poor people that are living in the streets of Rome sign up for legions like, all right, I'm going to get 20 acres when I'm done. So it, is it kind of like,
0: all right, you can give up your land now, like you can sell it now, but you'll like, we'll give it to you later. Or they had no land they and had in no order land. to fight to get around like the loophole, they're basically doing it in reverse. The, the like,
1: reform was to eliminate the land qualification.
0: But it was like eliminate the land qualification so you can get more people in the army to fight yeah. all three. But yeah. then from there, it was like a reverse where it's like, hey, come fight in the army and we'll give you X amount of land. Yeah. Okay. So
1: if you had uh, a general, right, say they weren't really popular in the Senate where they couldn't get a, re- a land bill passed for the veterans. That general could then go to his troops and say, hey – these people aren't going to let you have land or they're not going to pay you your pension. What do those soldiers do? That's when they, that's when you start seeing commanders march on Rome itself. Julius Caesar wasn't the first one to do it. It was this guy named Sulla who did it, but it created a, and once he did it, he eliminated his political enemies. It was like a whole thing. So that's where like people like Cato, Julius Caesar Pompey the Great, Cicero, that's the period that they grew up in was you had a a guy who seized control of the state because his soldiers, their fate was tied to their commander, no longer to the state itself. So he tried, Sola, when he stepped down and then he died right after, um, he tried fixing it so that no one could do what he did. But fast forward a generation, I mean, it's exactly what Julius Caesar did. But Cato comes into play because it, it's kind of important to look past, like, the mythology of him. And actually, you know, he was a man because, and I think what Washington and some of the founders, they looked at the mythology of him. And that's why he was such an inspiration. Sure. But basically, long story short on him was he was one of the first Romans who really embraced, like, a Stoic mindset. He's one of the most famous Stoics. He didn't write anything down, but his whole thing was how I act. So he would walk barefoot, like kind of a weird guy, but he would defend an issue and filibuster and all this stuff in the Senate just to, you know, what he deemed as protecting the Republic. So like he didn't trust Julius Caesar, for instance, when Julius Caesar was on his rise. So anything that Julius Caesar proposed even if it was a really good idea, he just he, shot it. Down. He shot it down because he knew that Julius Caesar had bigger ambitions. So it was kind of one, of those, and that's the problem though I have with with Cato in a way because there was serious issues that they needed to solve, but he was so like unbending on his point yeah. that it wouldn't solve it.
0: Well, you see that today. It's like, yeah. I mean, that's. It seems like that's where both sides are at in a lot of ways, but it seems like everybody's really fucking pissed rigid, (laughs) but they don't know why Uh, they're kind of like pissed and rigid because somebody else kind of told them to be. And then if you really like get into their ideas and thoughts, they're like, yeah, I, I believe a is B and B is a, yeah. And there's like, no, there's like really no problem with that. And you're like, do you see how that contradicts? Like, no i'm not not interested
1: well I think the uh the important thing to understand too is like in ancient Rome and even in the founding, it was kind of life or death in a way yeah so like i re-
0: i have a i have a real respect for people that do kind of draw a line in the sand. And they they're pretty unflinching or un- unwavering like part like I guess for me, I would also kind of buy into the mythology aspect of that because I'm not that way like i I very much am like try to bridge the gap, try to do all these things, and like sometimes to a fault where he can do that to a fault too, but there's something about that that i like I have a deep respect for people that. Like stand on these like moral grounds and like
2: yeah. do what they think is right. I don't know. It, it's, yeah. I,
1: it's I go ahead. Sorry. This is
2: nuts to me. So so Cato never wrote anything down, right? So how did the legend of Cato? Um, you
1: had you had, you, like, you had people like go. so that's where the that's the uh, that's why I said you have to separate the man from the myth. So you had people like Cicero, right? Um, Cicero wrote a lot, and John Adams emulated cicero so he he wanted to be a a cicero he wanted to be the second coming of cicero um but you also had uh later authors you know when the uh when rome was now an empire that were kind of trying to showcase the the virtue of the republic and everything like that and cato was kind of the embodiment of embodiment of the republic uh, I don't even think I said that word word, but whatever. He was the lobotomy. <laughs> lobotomy, yeah, yeah, yeah. So so that's why it's, uh, you know, there's stories about Cato that, you know, nowadays historians are like, this is definitely, not, this is probably not true at all. Um, Like when Sulla, for instance, was his dictator, Cato was like uh, 10 or 12, you know, something like that. And he asked his tutor a question like, why do people fear him? And he's like, oh, because, uh, you know, he'll he'll kill him. He's like, someone give me a sword so I can free my country um, from him. That's probably not true. It's the same thing with us today with Washington and the cherry tree. Never happened. Yeah.
2: Um, That's the the cool thing about it, though, is it, it, that representation of that person led Washington to focus more on his deeds and speak less. Yeah. So regardless of what he actually did, <clears throat> it still influenced him I think... Yeah, dude, I did a backflip on my bike when I was eight.
0: (laughs) You never did a backflip into a foam pit. Dude, I fucking was doing backflips all the time when I was like eight on my bike. Just eight?
1: Yeah, anyway, so what were you saying? (laughs) Well, I think, I I think, you know, what you were mentioning about Washington putting on the play was so Cato, when basically they the Caesar was winning won the Civil War it was kind of a foregone conclusion like he, he beat Pompey he beat Cato he beat Scipio all these Roman commanders right so Cato's left with basically a few followers he reads uh, a book stabs himself passes out wakes up they're <laughs> stitching him up because and they're saying like you can't die you, you are the Republic like you you are you're probably the only person that doesn't have ambitious gains from this because Pompey and Caesar were basically whoever won that was gonna become was, the tyrant yeah yeah but Cato thought that Pompey was less of a threat than Caesar like he thought that he could, probably realistically a lot of people think that Caesar was smarter than Pompey that's why so Cato wakes up they're stitching him up <laughs> rips open the stitches kills himself so that's tight. Uh, well, <laughs> the the reason why the, he basically sends the message like I'd rather because and Caesar's famous for offering mercy and clemency like, you know, forgiving, like, hey, all is forgiven. That's what ended up getting him killed in a way. But Caesar was forgiving. Yeah. He would offer mercy to people that fought against him, and, But it
0: wasn't like but it wasn't really like a like, oh, I'm forgiving and
1: I like, you know, I forgive you. It was more of like a show, right? It, it was a lot of political thing behind it. So if you think about it, so Cato and Caesar were political rivals and basically enemies for over a decade now, probably almost fifteen years. Where Cato was like, he's a threat. He he's while he's conquering Gaul, which is now modern day France, he's like, this is illegal. He's he's breaking treaties. He's just trying to build up an army. All the, like he was raising an alarm bell. Well, by him denying Caesar that mercy offering, it took a lot of, a lot of political points away from Caesar and it kind of fueled this legend of Cato where he basically said, I'd rather die for the Republic than live one day under you. Did he know about this, um, this guy that you were
0: talking about before that uh, when there was like a bribe from the Greeks? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean uh, the Romans were big in the history too. I mean that, they, because of all the wealth that came in, they started having you know pretty serious education where they would send you know guys to uh, Greece and study under philosophers. They'd bring in philosophers to be tutors. Um, a lot of the rich people, but um, but no, when when Washington's in Valley Forge, there was a play that came out in like I don't know what year seventeen ten or something. Washington saw this play like, I don't know how many times, like a a bunch. Um, It was like his favorite. He loved going to the play. He didn't, he wasn't a big, uh, he didn't have any education really compared to like Jefferson or Madison or Adams. Uh, But he loved this play and that he put on the play at Valley Forge with his officers and the message he basically said was, this is our fate if we fail. Yeah. We're all going to die. When the play
0: was literally called Cato.
1: Yeah. 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 So like
0: where, so- all right, so where did the where did like the republic start to fall apart? Like, where did why did Rome almost act- immediately?
1: Oh, oh, oh! In, in Rome? Yeah, why did Rome like fall <laughs> apart? Um, I think um, I th- I mean the the system of government that they had wasn't made for um like an overseas empire. You know, you got you to think it would be like, I mean, if you send a message from Rome to Spain, it might take a while. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah, like at least months. What year was it that that, that it all fell apart? Um,
1: Not off the top of my head. I, I mean, Caesar's Civil War happened in 48 BC, and that lasted for like two, three years. And then he was only alive for like another two years and he got assassinated. And then immediately, I mean, then you had the, that's where Octavian who then became Augustus, the first real Roman emperor, um, kind of came on and then they fought another civil war. So in a way, the problem with them going into empire in a way, someone like Augustus, who was kind of like a, a prodigy, um, when he took control he did improve the roman state the problem is if you look at the emperors a lot of them are psychopaths and yeah <laughs> you know they are kind of crazy in a way um they're not really doing anything about improving the state um at all so uh i, I think it, it, at the end of the day what, what really caused it was just you know greed in a way um and uh there's a There's something to say. I mean, it's it's something with any politics. I mean, if you look at ours, it's you get people that start playing a zero sum game, um, where it's a I'm not as long as you don't win, I'm okay with losing. So, like, where do you see that in our stuff today? Well, we've been trying to pass an infrastructure bill for (laughs) ten years now, and uh, you know both parties have had controls of House and Senate and presidencies and. Still, there is not an infrastructure bill. Yeah, so that's that's the thing. I mean, it it could. I I mean, I'll be completely honest with you. I would, if the republic, if the Democrats put forward the same bill that the Republicans probably put forward, how many years ago? Four years ago or whatever. The exact same thing, exact same wording, whatever. I guarantee you, they'll still vote no.
0: Yeah, well, they just go with whatever the party is yeah, doing they're, they're at that
2: playing time. they just would be, play a zero-sum game just because they don't want the other team to win
1: yeah yeah
0: yeah well they got whatever thing that they're trying to accomplish and they just they've got to all be unified even if it literally makes no fucking sense sounds like they
1: need a little virtue <laughs> virtue reality yeah well and that's the uh i mean i mean chris you were kind of alluding to this though is like you know, a lot of the, uh, people that were in government and you notice that after the founding generation kind of passed away and moved on, I mean, what happened next? We then basically went into pre civil war where there was a lot of like shitty decisions that were being made, which kind of made the civil war inevitable. Um,
0: yeah. Well, and when people, I didn't realize this and I'm kind of just gotten to this part of the book, but when, when, They got past, you know, like 1790, like you were saying, is really tumultuous time. But that was when they were kind of realizing that virtue was hitting its limits. And that's when they started getting into like this partisan type stuff. It's really interesting how that came about. And when you look at some of the things that they're talking about, how similar it is to today of they they suddenly started making personal attacks on this person and undermining their Credibility, their like well, manhood, and all the this only kind of stuff. the only
1: reason, the only thing I will say about that though is the weirdest thing that probably ever happened in American politics is that you have the vice president, Aaron Burr, ends up then shooting Alexander Hamilton. That's wacky. Yeah. So
2: <laughs> it almost just seems like it's cyclical, like it's right, coming. That's back, what I'm it's saying. Like coming back around. There's this. I'll have to look it up later, but there's this saying that it's like we start off as this and these times create these times and these times create these times and, and so on and so forth. Yeah. Uh, it's and hard,
1: hard times, you know what it create is? Hard, hard men, hard men create soft times, soft times, create soft men, soft men create hard times. Something like that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. Which is, that's kind of what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like we're in that time now where it's like, <laughs> I got of soft men.
1: <clears throat> well, Speak for yourself. Yeah, Uh, (laughs) I'm just saying in general, and that's
2: you know that's I just I can kind of read that from those. I
1: I think that there needs to be some accountability at the top.
0: I think one out of every three men is soft. It's
1: not me. You see me (laughs) knock that water over? How hard I hit it? Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Actually,
0: now that you mention that. You're pretty dangerous, <laughs> Actually, You're more like a liability. You almost I ruined know. the
2: whole show. <laughs> I know. We'll cut it. Out
0: oh, then. thanks for uh, thank you for spilling all those, this water on the computer that's running the show. I appreciate <laughs> it. I didn't get
2: any on the computer. That's right. fine.
0: Well, you did, but um, we got it. We got it taken care of. You know, those are the kind of lies that tore
2: the Roman Republic apart. <laughs> what Roman Republic?
0: <laughs> I don't know.
2: So, what do you think, Mason? I'm I'm curious here. This because you're so well versed in all this stuff and I know you've been studying history for a long time. In in this book, he asked the question, what do you think our founding fathers would think of our government today or the presidency? What what would they think about these times? And does it even matter?
1: Is
0: this
2: man awake? <laughs> <laughs>
1: um you know, that's uh that's a really hard question. Yeah. Um because I think I mean if you look at in human history, maybe in the last 200 years, there's been more changes and more advancement than there was in the past. I don't know, 8,000. Um, you know, there's a, like if you, if you take say a Roman soldier from 200 BC and fast forward them to 200 AD, chances are the equipment's not going to be much different. Um, you know, things like that. If you take, yeah, if you, I mean, George Washington didn't. They probably didn't think an airplane was possible or a computer. Yeah, of course. Um, I think though that at the end of the day, I I believe, and I mean I'm probably wrong about this, but I believe that they thought that the ultimate power resided in Congress. So, the thing that I don't think that they would approve of would be, you know, some of the. Uh, Sketchy stuff that our government does, <laughs> or um, you know, uh, I would say, um, involvement in overseas, um, mm-hmm. you know, they were they were kind of isolationist, uh, I would say that's interesting, yeah.
0: I've, I'm, I mean, I think we're kind of seeing like now in real time with stuff like Afghanistan that it's not super feasible to be so heavily involved in other people's like countries and all that shit. Like I know that we're located all throughout the world and we've got different military bases everywhere. We're part of almost like at least half the world's economies and stuff like that. But I don't know. I, I kind of like appreciate that isolationist View on at least some of the military stuff. I don't know what the consequences were. Like you just said, like it, it gave rise to Napoleon. Well, no, so. Or maybe like a lack of involvement kind of set the so, environment that could lead to something so, like. Napoleon. So
1: realistically, the, Revolu- the Revolutionary War, we probably would not have won it as. I mean, the war lasted seven years. Um, you know, so. But the French were a big asset to it. So you kind of had, that's where some of these partisan lines drew. So you had Alexander Hamilton's camp that was kind of all about the economy and trade and all that, that they wanted to have stronger ties with England. Well, England's the enemy if you're basing it off the spirit of 1776. Yeah. Right? If
0: you're still stuck in the the revolutionary times. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, you had Jefferson's camp and Jefferson was like, Love French. He loved France. Well, he spent a ton of time over there yeah. too. Well, what? And then the French Revolution happened, and I, I think it's 1787. So, and Jefferson actually was. That's when he was in France. He was helping. He he helped them out, and he kind of wrote down some of the stuff that was their foundation. Well, there's a difference between a revolution and. North America where you have an ocean to separate some of the European powers and you had England and France that hate each other. Then there's another difference between overthrowing the monarchy in Europe when you are surrounded by monarchies. So France was basically in war from day one when the revolution happened. From our revolution? From their revolution. Oh, okay. Their revolution. Well, that's why it's really important that when – you know, a lot of people they look at Washington's presidency. the biggest thing that they give him credit for is, uh, you know, declaring neutrality, saying we're not joining any side in the war because he knew that there's no chance that one, we wouldn't really be effective at all, two, the country was young, it was already fragile, the last thing it needed was a war. Yeah. Um, and, Basically from the French Revolution to the Napoleonic Wars, Europe was at war for twenty plus years.
0: So when what years did the French Revolution happen?
1: It happened in I believe it was seventeen eighty-seven. Oh,
0: okay. So this this happened like right on the coattails of our revolution. So yeah. and we were in like super they, turmoil yeah. too. Yeah. So there wasn't a big US military either. That could go over there and really be useful. And plus, if you look at the Fabian approach too, most of our success came from the local militias and stuff going out, pestering, not letting the British rest. But then they would go back to their lives, to their farms, everything like that, and leave. Like, you didn't just have a bunch of people that were like, yeah, ready to jump on a ship and go to France. Do you know
1: what, though? That's. Um, So I'm kind of glad we brought up Napoleon though. But if you look at who their heroes were, who their inspirations were, Napoleon thought Julius Caesar was the hero of antiquity. So maybe that's why he, I mean, Napoleon realistically is probably the best general ever. I mean, he overstretched himself, but he won the most battles. He fought the most battles, All everything. But, he modeled himself in a way after Caesar. Whereas Washington, Cincinnatus, and Cato were kind of his inspirations. So it's if Washington didn't if Washington's inspiration was say, wanted to be a, a great military general, um, which when he was younger, I mean he wanted He liked Caesar. Yeah, he wanted he yeah. wanted busts of Caesar and everything like that, but that was when I mean he was younger. I think to your point earlier, people change and maturity comes and all that. People changes.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like the fact that you and I sat down and got some beers and talked about stoicism, like, you know, that, you that thought, conversation three weeks ago versus, you know, who you were five, six years ago <laughs> when you were my boss.
2: is like, probably wouldn't have been the same.
0: It was entirely different. You know?
1: No. I mean, honestly, uh, for me, I mean, I, I know you. I mean, the whole reason why I'm even here is because I've been reading books so much is, I mean, that's, I have to thank COVID for that. And I mean, that's a terrible thing to say, but when you're not able to really go anything in the beginning, I was like, you know what? I used to like to read, but why don't I like reading? Yeah, I haven't read in a while. So So, let me start reading. So
2: COVID sparked your interest in reading again?
1: Yeah, that's all I ever do now.
2: (laughs) That's what I was going to say, man. I I talked about this earlier, but you post, like you posted two books the other day on Instagram your, yeah. ra- your rating scale. Um, where do you find the books that you want to read? Um,
1: so for yes. my work now, I, uh, uh, you know, I have to talk to clients and, yeah. uh, a lot of them are senior executives at, at fortune 500 companies. So if, uh, you know, if, if the conversation gets stale, you know, sometimes be like, Hey, I'm trying to improve myself. What what is a book that impacted you? It's awesome. Um, and then sometimes that conversation, it just sparks it up or even, you know, sometimes I'll be like, Hey, I just read this book and it's, uh, I think it'd be of interest for you and I recommend it that way. But on the history topic, um, you know, I, I, uh, a lot of authors, uh, like, like this guy, uh, Thomas, they'll reference stuff at the end. Um, so if they say, if you, for, for more further reading or like on stoicism, uh, Ryan holiday, I I like him a lot. Yeah. You know, he'll, he'll reference a lot of books or he'll say, I recommend this. If you want to learn more about this, that's
2: what we were talking about. That's the daily stoic guy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Love it. That's how I got, got into stoicism. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. That's an awesome idea because you, the people that you talk to are typically probably pretty successful. Yeah. Stoicism Stoicism
1: gets brought up a lot. Do do (laughs) you want to
2: be part of our book club?
1: I'm already in a book club, man. <laughs> oh, dude.
0: yeah. You guys, on, you guys don't on. keep
1: up with my uh, reading. Honestly, no. No. I'm,
0: I'm very impressed with the amount of stuff that you know. And it's yeah. actually making me realize with all these cameras and microphones here just how little I fucking know. Yo, for sure. Yeah. Well,
1: my the other thing, too, to your point, though, is like uh, what, what do I read and all this stuff, or why do I pick certain and stuff? I think that you should read to become a better person or to grow. And I, I'm actually uh or even reread something. Like uh meditations. I know when you guys talked earlier, you kind of talked a little bit about Marcus Aurelius and you yeah. had no idea yeah. who he was, but hey, that's beyond the point. But uh Me? Yeah, I, I know who Marcus I gotta Aurelius talk a is. little
0: shit on you guys, but uh, um Hey, um, you know what <laughs> Fuck you I don't wanna even know shit about Marcus Aurelius. But that's my great uncle. Yeah, it <laughs> is.
1: Well, I I read it when I was really young,
0: right? Yeah, real little.
1: Well, I was like twenty-one, and I had realistically no idea what I was reading.
0: You're right. like, oh yeah, oh yeah. All right, the muses. All right. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's
2: what's cool, man. Like, yeah. like I know you've been into it a little bit longer than me, but I before I got into that, like I heard the word stoicism, but this has opened a whole new world to me, yeah. and it's kind of cool because I'm in this part of my life where I can gra- fully grasp it right now.
1: Yeah, so I'm like if-
2: kind of glad that I'm just getting into this now. Because I think at 21, I probably wouldn't have cared too much about it. Yeah.
1: I, I mean,
0: I just d- want you guys to know that when I was 21, I deeply cared about this stuff and fully totally <laughs> understood
1: it. So Oh, shit. Well, that feels like a long time ago now. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you I mean, getting old. Oh, yeah. I feel it. Are you 30? I am 30. Oh, boy. <laughs> I look like I'm 35, so. <laughs> You're washed up. <laughs> what happens when i have you two as employees for a
2: while
0: (laughs) (laughs) dude one time so did you know any of the games that me and him would play like while we were like while we were working like some of the challenges that we would have for each other so like what we start this was like this was like a real moment of desperation i won't speak for you (laughs) when you were there because i I know i know the situation at the airport yeah yeah this is at the airport, and I wasn't—I wasn't a stellar employee. Let's just say that. But yeah, um, you weren't. <laughs> no, I wasn't. Not especially not at that time. That's why I was, was on. the I still the manager.
2: Yeah, oh, you actually. Yeah, you encouraged and, it.
0: And so, <laughs> yeah, you didn't help. And uh, and so we would play these games where it was like we had to say certain things, like that was the challenge. So oh, well, I
1: remember you idiots doing that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: So one time. We were standing up at the front, like both people at the kiosk, and I was like, all right, dude, word of the day is we have to say silly in an interaction with a customer. Every interaction with every customer. Every interaction with a customer, you have to say silly at least once. (laughs) It It sounds maybe a little silly. Dude, I recommend if anybody out there listening, if you fucking hate your job and you work in some sort of retail job do this challenge, it is well worth it. He was, he, he had to say it to somebody and I had to, I had to duck down (laughs) underneath and put my head underneath where the printer was and start laughing. And he's like, um, so, you know, sometimes these cars can, you know, the
2: radios can act a little, uh, the tires can act a little silly sometimes. So you might want to buy this (laughs) coverage. Well, dude, when it's one o'clock in the morning and you you haven't slept in, with a friend, sometimes you just got to do those things. Remember the cinnamon rolls? I will. Yes. <laughs> Chris, this back seats, you know, an Explorer, they fold down. It was, it was cinnamon twists. Cinnamon twists. I you cinnamon twists out in the lot, and I'm standing across from him, and I hear him <laughs> fold the seats down, and I hear out of the corner of my ear, you would not believe it. We found a box of cinnamon twists back here at the last hour. <laughs> and
1: I absolutely lost it. <laughs> Dude, my the thing that used to piss me off about Chris more than anyone though, working with him. Well, I, I you know, you as the I, I think I was we had a team, right? So as like the team manager, you know, you had to push your people to performers saying this guy last week would beat like dead last and then he would perform like A plus out of the roof, and I was like, dude, why do you do this the whole month? And he's just like, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) When we go to Blue Sushi again.
0: When I find, I didn't realize that Mason was like a mayor of the town. <laughs> and like I had no fucking idea. doesn't
1: and, exist anymore, man. I'm forgotten news.
2: Oh yeah. You're
1: yeah. Well, done reading all
2: these books, man.
1: Yeah, uh, uh. Well, we're, we're bringing
0: you back. I mean, you are, you look and you are, you seem pretty washed up, but you know, this podcast <laughs> could be pretty redemptive for you, but we, we were out drinking and we go to blue sushi and he knows the bartender and all that stuff. And, and like, I didn't realize that you were like getting like they were going to give you a discount on this stuff and all this kind of stuff. I I thought that I was ordering cause I was going to pay for it. And he's like, you know, get it, you know, like the it's, it's okay, you know, do whatever. And, and I was like, all right. So I got two fucking expensive ass sushi (laughs) rolls. Like we got a bunch of drinks and stuff. And at the end, like the bill comes and he like goes and pays. And I was like,
1: Oh dude, were you paying for that? He's like, yeah, dude. You know, like, it's like, oh man, I'm really sorry. I thought. I, do you know what the funniest thing about those? You probably felt like shit, but like that bill was, I think, was like thirty dollars.
0: Yeah, but at the time, like thirty dollars. Yeah, when you're an MT, it was like
1: yeah. When you're just starting off in a no, career, no, no, man. thirty dollars for both of us. And we probably had like two or three drinks each and you had the two rolls of sushi. That's not terrible. I felt... That blue I sushi felt, has closed down, by the way. I so know. I felt... <laughs> there might I be felt, a reason for it, but... I felt some
0: sort of shame because I felt like I was like getting something over <laughs> you on know, somebody. Uh, and I was
1: like... Fort, uh, Fort Myers was a weird place back then because it was still small enough where I knew everyone, where I was still like very social. So everywhere we went on like a team outing or anything like that, you knew I everybody. knew... Yeah well because i got i you know i, I got treatment but <laughs> <laughs> yeah but I, it was um i mean yeah i see uh i surprised not get fired from were you guys there for when we went to headpins um yes there's like 30 so. people that showed up i expensed like that whole trip <laughs>
0: Mason, why (laughs) was this uh, simple outing with a small team uh, eighteen hundred dollars? It
1: it, it was it was more than that, was it? Oh yeah, yeah. I I was surprised I didn't get a lot of trouble. Well, I got promoted, and I was like, yeah, so let's let's go celebrate. Surprisingly, I got promoted. I don't know why, but um, yeah, I got promoted, and I said, let's let's. I was like, hey team, let's go out and and uh, let's go bowling, and then. you know, 20 more people from the airport showed up and yeah, so that's what happens. Cause Typical you, when you're parader. yeah. Well, cause when you're a
0: manager over there, it's not like you would, it's not like you would have like, Oh, I have my small core team. It's like, and especially at that time, like everybody really liked partying and stuff. So it was like, Oh dude, I hear somebody's doing something. <laughs> Why Let's don't go. we go? We might be able to get free food or something.
1: Yeah. And I, I, sure. I remember. I, I did you expense the liquor that night? No, I wasn't able to do that. So I I would pay for liquor out of my own pocket. I just didn't tell anybody about at the time because I wanted everyone like. Very I, you virtuous, know what? It was only it was I mean, only for the so immediate virtuous. team. It was only for the immediate team. Yeah, I because, remember
0: you were really big into martinis at Bar Lou. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Dude, martinis are the worst. <laughs> did you really? You were into martinis?
1: A weird time in my life, oh, man. man. <laughs> <laughs> You know, that's, that's when the hair loss started coming yeah. in. Um, but it looks it, about the same as always looked. Yeah. That's what, that's what that place did to me, man. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Mine keeps seeming to get farther forward. I'm trying to get, push it I back. wish, I wish I might have to go on Rogaine oh, or whatever the latest thing is. You're going to need to take ass hairs and put it on the top of your head. That, that, that continues to grow. Um, but yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. As you get older, it's <laughs> just the hits keep coming. So what? What the hell were we talking about before this? <sighs> Something we talking, talking about. I mean, yeah,
1: Something I can about talk about Romans. history all day. So, but the one the one thing I will say Let's on American history, American history, American history, who does not get enough credit is John Adams. So John Adams, why? For for folks that don't want to read anything about him, there's an HBO series called John Adams that came out uh, like 2008 about about John Adams. Yeah, about John Adams. Yeah, <laughs> What is it called? John Adams. Yeah, I, I think right. it's it, I think it's J O H N spelled though. Um, then Adams. Oh, um,
0: I I think I've seen the uh, one
1: about uh, like Paul uh, Jacob Jim- Jingleheimer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think his name was. <laughs> But you know, it, not only just John Adams, but like the the Massachusetts, you know, delegates at like the first Congress or the second Congress, they were kind of pushing the uh, put making the push for uh, a stronger response because when England uh, or Great Britain, whatever you want um, yeah, to say, was trying to punish the colonies they unbelievable and <laughs> yeah, please forgive me don't don't cancel me uh yeah, yeah. where they were trying to punish the colonies yeah they they tried to make an example of massachusetts in particular because of uh you know like the boston tea party and all that crap um shouldn't say crap, but uh so that's when basically they turned massachusetts into martial law where you had british troops there and they were stationed within the houses they were weren't allowed to assemble and nothing at all is that where martial law comes from no it's, oh, okay. it's a, yeah um, but so John Adams is really the one that pushed forward to have a stronger response to that and he some people dispute this but he nominated say George Washington for uh, you know to command the Continental Army because that's a political move Virginia at the time, was the strongest colony had the biggest population and it was the wealthiest. So it had the most money and most men. And that's how you fight wars back then. It was all about manpower. And Washington was realistically the only person that had real military experience, but it was basically Massachusetts saying, we see the reality of the situation. It's going to take all of us and we need the strongest colony to kind of lead the fight. So, this
0: was this was as as the leading up to the revolution. Yeah, so okay.
1: the so everyone thinks that you know July Fourth, seventeen seventy six, when the Declaration of Independence happened. Well, the war really started in seventeen seventy five. You know that's when Lexington Concord happened, the Siege of Boston, all that. So Washington is named and he accepts it too. So you could argue that Washington really put most on the most on the line the fir- at first. Because he said, "I will, yeah. He, I'll, I'll take command. So if all else fails, you could argue if you're in Congress at the time, you're like well, I didn't vote for that to happen. Yeah, <laughs> you know. But um, there's no going around saying you're leading the actual army, if you could call it that. It was basically just militia. Um, but then Adams also helped draft the Declaration. So Jefferson wrote the whole thing, but Adams and Franklin you know, revised it and reviewed it. Um, Then Adams, you know, went to Paris and Franklin hated him over there. So he got sent back, but then he served in England. He actually helped sign the peace treaty. So as far as like a a resume from like the revolution and service of the country, I would argue there's like, you know, Washington, Franklin, then John Adams. But when we think about John Adams today, we think about, kind of a failed president. But one thing that John Adams did, which was a huge credit to today, is after he lost the election to Jefferson for his second term, he stepped down and did not dispute the election, even though it was really close. Um, He stepped down and kind of went away. But, you know, it's something that we have to it's basically I mean look at other even today you know when do you see uh unfortunately like you know Trump disputed the election which is kind of like the first thing that kind of ever happened really in American history or you know, I'm sure there's other instances but recently look at all the chaos that caused in the early system when it was really fragile Adams stepped down and did not dispute it didn't try to fight it because he knew that if he was going to fight it, it would
2: be detrimental to,
1: I think, to, I mean, he, he did respect Jefferson so much. The prop, the issue that they had with each other was that Jefferson was kind of playing politics, like how we see it today, where he would, you know, and, and Adams kind of, I mean, they, they both threw like some shit at each other, but Adams wasn't about party politics in a way. He kind of saw himself as a party of one, even though we consider him a federalist but he hated Alexander Hamilton and Alexander Hamilton was in charge of the Federalist party, but he straight up despised Alexander Hamilton. So it was like nothing. He didn't want anything to do with him. Well, it seems like, cause Hamilton was kind of like
0: the opposite of what Adams was pushing for, for the whole time leading up to the revolution and through, and even leading up to the constitution. Cause Adams was kind of like, it seemed like that more, that more like revolutionary type right like he was he was like pretty railing against the stuff for well, most of the
1: time right i i think it was um and this is where and, and something that's a little surprising about washington was washington had some pretty thick skin uh, not thick skin a uh, thin skin and a lot of people thought like when washington started people started talking shit about him they were saying that he's a senile old man that wash and that, uh, uh, Hamilton's just pulling the strings. Uh, Hamilton says something Washington speaks, you know, he was just kind of the puppet. Yeah. Um, Sounds and, familiar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, um, you know, and that's kind of in Jefferson was kind of behind some of these attacks. Um, so it was it was kind of a you know the 1790s were you know very partisan politics.
0: This was all in the 1790s.
1: Yeah. So that, yeah. it kind of started happening quick then. Yeah. So that's why Washington was considered indispensable to the republic because regardless of you know he really he was above kind of the politics fighting and he had so much respect from the other members of the government or anything at all that no one was gonna go against them at all. But even Jefferson realized like Jefferson ran against Adams after Washington uh um down. yeah but Jefferson lost and he was like yeah you can have it because he was like whoever follows this guy is it's it's not gonna end well. I mean even yeah. even look at it's gonna be tough. Even look at it in our own modern history anyone that really follows like a really successful president or a popular president, they have a really tough time and a tough agenda. Usually they inherit a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's just the nature of the beast, I guess. But it's also kind of hard to, uh, you know, Washington is like, I don't know if we were a religion, he would be you know, God, I guess. Yeah. In way.
2: Like, how do you follow that? This is kind of an abstract question, but. <clears throat> so you think about these first four guys? What would we say there was about three million people during uh, that yeah, time, maybe yeah. 1700s? Yeah. How many people are in the U.S. today? Three hundred thirty million, maybe is it, more. Is that what it is? Probably more. Yeah. Think about yeah. that. For every like three million, do you think there's, you know, four of those guys that are out there? John Adams, George. George Washington, like, do you think that those people with those, not same values, but people like them exist in today's world? I I think so. For sure. I I think so. I think so. Especially like here, like, you know, follow those values and we'll just, we'll never know because those people don't want to get into politics or be.
1: I I think that's the issue is that it it takes a, nowadays it takes a, a special creature to really want to get into politics. And I think a lot of them end up just betraying their, their self. Yeah, I this is probably too easy to do that. This is so. This is part of what I wanted to talk uh, to can you as. Can we take a timeout?
0: You got to pee. Yeah, go pee. We we'll, Matt and I will run yeah, this. We'll we'll, we'll I had a chat. little
2: spill earlier, so it's watch Only that, that wire.
0: Natural.
1: Watch that wire.
0: And then just leave that crack, so that way you can come back in. Yeah, you can leave that crack, dude. This is interesting shit. Yeah, very i fucking like this book, man.
2: I'm, I know, I know. Yeah, I gotta I, finish this. I feel like. I'm like, fuck, man. I wish I fucking finished it. I know, dude. And Mason's so knowledgeable about all this stuff. Even if we would have finished it, it wouldn't have mattered.
0: Dude, As we're literally as we're talking, I'm like, dude, I fucking don't know anything think, about this. Yeah, we're both idiots. Well, yeah, we definitely. I'm you're an, an idiot. I'm not an idiot. You're an idiot.
2: Yeah, for no, sure. Very interesting stuff. Dude, I this
0: is it. cool. And So when he comes back, I want to talk to him about this because part of what I'm seeing with this here and- this is like with real basic knowledge of any of this stuff. But it, I don't know if the stuff that you've read is so glaringly like, dude, this shit's going on today.
2: Well, that's what, that's what I'm trying to get at and yeah. asking is because like we have, like you said, that whatever, however many people there are out there in America, 330 million from 3 million. And these guys back then, we noticed them more because there were so few people, you know. But now with with all these people and how much knowledge that – we've gained over time yeah you're telling me that the people that we have in congress and senate and all these government these positions like those are the people that we have in, in there yeah everybody that we that we can choose from it just it's something it's just goofy no it's
0: it something. is goofy dude that's what that's like the question that i'm asking is yeah. like okay these guys were here right and and even if you look at rome right that's 2000 plus years ago and people were thinking like that then it pops up 1700 plus years later 1800 however many years later like we're only 200 something years removed from that like those same kind of people same kind of mindsets it's more likely that they're similar to what we were in the 1700s than in ancient rome like
2: that long or closer to that Now than they were to ancient oracles, yeah, by a long shot. But like,
0: what is that? Five, six, seven, eight times, yeah, Yeah. the length or something like that. Like we're that seven times the length, something like we. Like yeah, there's definitely people out there, but it is interesting because I don't think people want
2: to get into politics, dude. It's scary to even fucking talk about this shit. Like I mean, who who? Nobody in their right mind would want to see. You know, everybody wants to see people improve themselves and improve yeah. the place that they live. Watch the wire. Watch that wire. Watch person. that fucking wire. Watch the water cup. Watch the water. watch the water. Don't spill the water.
0: So. How, how was it? Yeah, how was your PP? It was a long
2: one. It was one of the best pisses I've ever it had. TMI. So we were no. just talking while you were gone. Oh. Um,
1: Controversial? And it's, Controversial? It's. No. Yeah, it's
0: <laughs> not been a good
2: run for you, but
1: um, <laughs> the
2: world's about to watch you get murdered. <laughs> so, so we'll ask you your opinion on this. So, with with all these people out there, what do you think? Honestly, why do you think that we have the people in place in politics that we do, and not people like? I don't know. I don't have an example,
1: but who would want to go into politics?
2: Well, that's right well, that's massive. With all your knowledge and all this stuff, I'm just saying. What like, what do you think it is? that wants to go into politics or yeah, that, like that's in these, there right these now. Great men that have gone into politics before us. Like we were just talking like we're, we're so far removed from these guys were so far removed from Rome. We're closer to those presidents than they were to Rome.
1: Yeah. 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 Like what, how, it's like
0: are, these types of people have to still be out there, but they're just, they're not I think, getting
1: into, I think nowadays, uh, you know, Not to put some of these guys on a pedestal. I mean, you know, for instance, you say George Washington, you're like, well, he owns slaves. Okay. You know, that's, yeah, that's an unfortunate thing. But you also have to look at the good that, you know, he did. And still, it needs to be held up as a model for some of the things that he did. Like, okay, he's the only person realistically in American history that probably could have taken power like Napoleon did if he really wanted to. Yeah. He had the loyalty of, realistically, every person in the country. The army was loyal to him and the the government. He could have done whatever he wanted to. And what did he try to do? When he had the army, he first thing he did when the war was over, he went to Congress and surrendered his commission. This is uh, Washington? Yeah, this is Washington. So, you know, again, that's his, like, The calling, riding off into the sunset, his calling card. Like that's the first retirement that he tried to do. I drop. Yeah. So it was, um, you know, nowadays I, I, I mean, even if you like read some of their writing or some of the stuff that they said or their viewpoints on topics, um, and then fast forward to. Our our most recent two presidents. I mean, I I feel like an idiot listening to both of them talk. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, what I, I don't really care anymore. Like, yeah, like, I know. Biden has a speech impediment. I get that. I, I I also have a little bit of a speech impediment. I I get that. But at the same time, I'm sorry. Some, I can't. What are you, some I of the, the stuff he says. Saying. Some of the stuff he says, though, it's like, dude, what are you talking about? And then Trump. When he was saying stuff, he's like, it's going to be great. It's the best ever. It's like, it's going to be huge. what it, what is, <laughs> you know? it's going to be huge. South yeah. Florida. It's he gonna be he huge. was, he was a hype man. You know, it was just, it's
2: a good way to put it. I yeah.
1: Know. Um, come in a few solo key and get yourself, <laughs> yeah. a, get yourself <laughs> yeah. a cruise. Dude. RIP man. That guy, uh, yeah, I know, he way, died. Really, Billy. Yeah. yeah.
2: RIP. But rest in, rest in peace. Oh, Norm McDonald died. Yeah. yeah that did die.
0: I heard that. Yeah. That sucks, man. He's fucking funny.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: It, I didn't even know yet. I mean, I guess it was a secret. You had cancer. Yeah, that's nuts. Guys, I uh, to go through
0: that. don't know if anybody told you this, but I got cancer. <laughs> it, it's nuts,
2: man. The same thing with the guy that played uh, Black Panther. Yeah, oh, no yeah. one, no one said a word, yeah. and then they just passed away from cancer. Yeah, it's yeah. a tough thing, man. Feel like you go through by yourself and take some balls. Oh, for sure, man. Be yeah. like, oh
0: yeah, I forgot to tell you guys. By the way, peace. Yeah.
1: Well, and that's a, yeah, I mean, it's a sad situation on well, all of them. So
0: the kind of questions that I have on this too is like we were just talking about when you were taking a little pee was, uh, <laughs> was like, even on a quick pass through this, I'm only a little more than halfway through this. Right. But a lot of this stuff is is sometimes scarily reminiscent of what I'm seeing today. Like this does not seem like there's nothing in this book that I'm reading that I'm like, Oh my God, I can't fathom a time in the world when things were like this. It's like, fuck dude is like this. This is like history. like repeating itself or history rhyming, I should say. But like these people were able to look at a situation where they're being really treated unfairly even if that's only in their own minds and they were able to go through some really hard times that it took to do it but they were able to break out of this create a country that really had never been created before we've got a lot of flaws yes but like you said in the past 200 years the innovation that has come has been staggering and we have been a big driving force for that innovation. Like it, a lot of this does come from these types of ideas that came out of this, but it does come down to like being free and having that autonomy to do the stuff. And not, and it's not just freedom. It is really setting up the world to be like kind of the best possible place that you can make it at that time. So like the world seems pretty fucked up right now. Like how do we, how do we take some of these same things Without having a fucking revolution and like incorporate this and try to make things better for people and set the next 250, 300 so, years in like a positive motion. So the other thing answer to, it now. Well,
1: <laughs> to go back to an earlier question he asked is like, how did the Roman Republic fall? Right. And it feels like we okay. are the reason why it ultimately felt was that you had enough people that didn't believe that the system worked anymore, that whether or not they could be protected by it, uh, that everyone would be playing fair. It's the same reason what with ours expecting? too. Yeah. So if you had Washington Adams, Jefferson, Madison, any president in the first say 50 years, Basically, or, you know, just go like, this system doesn't work. I'm going to do whatever the hell I want. Or, you know, circumnavigate certain things. But because they made the certain decisions that they did, it was allowed to grow and, and be established. The problem that I would say today that we lack is that we don't understand enough about why they made certain decisions or what influenced them. You know, if you look at human history or even human nature, you have to understand why certain things exist. So like a, a good example is the Bill of Rights, right? You know, the the controversial one, the Second Amendment, right to bear arms. Well, the reason that exists is because when they founded it, they were not expecting us to be the military power that we are today. You know, it was still a, a small... Country in today's standards, like our, our the United States today, yeah. And you know there was hostile Native American tribes. There was still colonial empires from European powers. The goal was, if an issue was to arise, the militia could rise up, and that they were self trained. It was a citizen army. Same thing as how it was in ancient Rome. That was the theory behind it. Um, at least my understanding of it. Now. Fast forward today, does that mean I think everyone should own an M16, you know, assault rifle? That's a whole nother can of worms. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's, I think it's important to understand the purpose behind it. Um, and you know, sometimes it, um, you know, it, it kind of, it was a, it was a distrust in, um, you know, standing armies also, because when you have a standing army, you have a lot of influence. So, you know, like like in the society
2: yeah. that army would be protected.
1: Yeah, so if we had uh if there was a you know, let's take the Marine Corps for instance. If there was 500 Marines in downtown Fort Myers, would you protest against the government?
2: More than likely no.
1: <laughs> so it kind of it, it kind of curbs that a little bit. Yeah. So that's uh that's why when the British occupied Boston to kind of send the message to like you know, nip it in the bud. Um, it didn't disunify the colonies, it actually united the colonies, to be like, hey, that's fucked up. We're not gonna we're not about that. Mm-hmm. So and that's why the, the Constitutional Convention and all that stuff started happening. I wanna rewind real fast. You yeah. so, you said George Washington
2: explain that again. He was kind of riding off into the sunset. So he
1: So when when the Revolutionary War ended, yep. the peace treaty was signed. One of the first things he did was he went to Congress and surrendered his commission, yeah. saying, "I'm I'm giving up my power to Congress, the 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 government."
2: Dude, see this this is what I think is a problem today is that people are so self absorbed absorbed that they don't want they they don't know when to step down and when to hand off the baton to
1: the next person. Oh yeah, that's a good point.
2: I can't think of anybody that would, you know, make an accomplishment like that and be like, okay, I know now that my role is done. And I think that if I continue to on the path that I'm on, that I'm not going to do any more good than I've already done. I think it's time for this person to step in. You think like, but, di- but like dictators, the same deal. Yeah. You get someone in, in a place of power and it's like, and I get it. You know, you, all of a sudden you had, you're in charge of all these things and it's going to eat away at you and you're going to have a different viewpoint of yourself and the people that you know, you should be serving. That's another problem,
1: but i mean if you if you look at uh you know Napoleon, for instance, before he invaded Russia, I mean he was basically in control of all of Europe except Great Britain, yeah, if he didn't invade Russia, he probably could have stayed in power for the rest of his life, really, yeah, I mean, he invaded Russia with like six hundred thousand men and only thirty thousand of them came back, really? oh really, yeah. It's 600,000 about. Yeah. Jeez, man. And all Russia did was just scorched earth. Yeah. They just kept on retreating further in Russia. And you got to think this is like 1812. So so the cars were like barely <laughs> freezing. dude. So we're free and everything relies on horses, you know? So if the horses die, you can't get food to the soldiers or anything like that. And, you know, diseases run rampant and, all sorts of crazy crap, but yeah, you know, he, yeah, if he didn't do that. I mean, it might be a different world that we're in. So like, how do we, how do we
0: take some of this stuff and like incorporate it into day to day life? Like for me, the, the way that I'm trying to do this stuff and this could just be, this could be maybe why I like Jefferson because like <laughs> for me, I don't, I don't have the answer to that. I don't know how we could take some of this stuff and like, make sure that we're like protecting it. But the way that I'm trying to do it is to be as, like as, to be as authentic as I can be and mm-hmm. like say what I think is wrong and like try to push back on this stuff. But I also don't want to be this divisive. I, I I generally I genuinely have a concern that like our country, really our world right now is like not that fucking far from this kind of stuff. I know we're we're structured differently and things are more interconnected, which is actually fucking great to avoid something like this. But like people are pretty divided right now. I know that they may have been more divided in like 1790 and things like that. Maybe the consequences were greater, but like that kind of shit does scare me. And I don't like that people now, at least in the media and stuff, like are very divisive and we're kind of losing sight. I think that most people are pretty similar and want very similar things to be safe, to be free, to do all this stuff. But like, I don't know. I feel like we're losing sight of it. And the only way that I can, kind of figure out maybe how to do that now is to be as much of myself as I can and school myself up on this stuff. But I don't, I don't know what it means.
1: I, uh, and and that's what I was just going to say. I think the only thing that we can do is try and understand why things are the way they are and get a better feeling for why was, why are the bill of rights, the bill of rights, why is the constitution, the constitution, what influenced them? What, what, is why it passed the way it did. What is so important about the Declaration of Independence? Um, You know, what is really the founding document of this country? Because they're they're not the same, Um, you know, at the end of the day. The wording is completely different. Um, But I think it kind of starts with what does it mean to be a good citizen? Or even then, it's a philosophical, what does freedom really mean? You know, what is freedom? Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know how to answer that. But to be a good citizen, I think it means what are you really voting for? Do you know who you're voting for? Do you, in my opinion, I think the most important vote that you can cast is actually for your local congress congressperson because they're supposed to be your representative in the federal government because Congress is supposed to have, realistically, a majority of the, the authority as far as what happens.
0: And I don't know anything about... My Congress people or <laughs> so, anything like no.
1: that. So, so for example, you know, uh, the latest thing, Biden signs the executive order for the mandate, right? That's not a law. Yeah. If he dies tomorrow. Kamala becomes president. She could write another executive order making that disappear. It's not a law. Yeah. But there's things like the affordable care act, you know, Obamacare. That is a law that was passed through Congress and signed by Obama. That is a lot harder to overturn. It basically has to be repealed in Congress. A new president, say uh say you get elected as the Republican president, you know, next year, whatever, next election. You can't just go in there and say, I'm getting rid of this. Yeah. It has to go through Congress. Yeah. So ultimately though, I think it, it kind of needs some of the stuff that's going on right now. It does need to get back to how the country was founded where it's I know, and a lot of people think it. Well, Congress doesn't do anything; they don't get anything done. That's also part of the reason why it was set up that way. Yes, yeah. to not have these off the hip or these emotional reactions. It was supposed to let's debate the issue, vote on it, all these things. But now you just see, and kind of goes back to what we we're talking about—the infrastructure. People are just going to vote on it. Could be the exact same fucking bill. Well because the Democrats put it forward, I'm not going to vote for it. Or because the Republicans put it forward, I'm not going to vote for it. It could be the exact same freaking thing. And it, or it could be a law that says we're going to recognize that the sky is blue. Well, no, I'm not going to sign with that. Cause you put it forward. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of stupid. So I think, yeah, I think part of it is you kind of need someone to transcend it a little bit or push forward and i think what you're referring to is some people need to uh you know have a no right off into the sunset <laughs> moment themselves
0: <laughs> but they don't they don't want to i think that's kind of your point right is like yeah. there's there's a lot of people that have been there they're entrenched like they want the
2: what? power they want you know they want the, the money, money that comes with it yeah. all of that stuff and i don't even know if it's so much money i, I feel like the, these guys it's, don't it paid. is. It's a lot. It man. is ninety
0: five. It's ninety percent money. money. If it's too. not,
1: if it's not for the for them, it's for family members. Hmm. All right. You know, like take uh uh Chelsea Clinton. What the <sighs> fuck does she do? She's a millionaire.
0: Well, I mean, look at <laughs> look at the Hunter Biden stuff
1: with like yeah yeah he's a millionaire. Did you buy his, one of his paintings? Yeah, I didn't actually. <laughs> Hang yeah. up in it. Or yeah, even even uh, crack with Hunter Biden, actually. I mean, oh, oh, we're beat <laughs> but just to be fair, I mean, it's both sides, though. Dude, uh, it's totally
0: both sides. That's why it's that. This is where the the the. So this is what I think is happening, right? The government. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude. I think what's happening is that this is why I'm asking these questions because you have people that thought like this not too long ago, right? There's still people that think like this. That want to do the right thing, but they think that by taking part in this bigger um, fight about what's going on, what is right, the right thing to do, all these kinds of things, we end up fucking fighting each other. But that's what I'm coming back to is most people probably, if you really sat down and actually talked about some stuff, you'd probably come to the conclusion, okay, maybe we agree on 70% of the stuff, maybe we agree on 90% but we entirely disagree on the way to get there. What we're seeing now that maybe they were seeing at the same time is that you've got these people that do have positions of power, whether it's government, whether it's these bigger businesses, whoever it might be that aren't taking part in our conversations. They're like manipulating our conversations because nobody that disagrees with each other, like at least not since online is the biggest forum, nobody's having like not many people are having rational discussions about this stuff. It is very divisive. It's very hate driven. Like just look at the, the news channels. It is, it is literally a, it's a comedy show at this point. Like, yeah, you, it's something that you would write of like, Oh, okay. So like, (laughs) here's what we're going to put that the Democrats are going to say. And then here's what we're going to put that the Republicans are going to say about them. And then let's just go. And it's like a skit that's unfolding. like, how do we, I feel like this stuff like this is some of the ways that as regular people we can start to kind of take back our like the sovereignty of our own minds and start making up these decisions for ourselves learn that we're not alone in this feeling like people have been here before there's people that have like done stuff about it, but just like kind of Madison did of looking at history and then doing something new and better and revolutionary like Maybe we can do this without even fucking he, revolution. Yeah,
1: even then he compromised a lot
0: on it. It's and that's what it's that's what it's going to come down yeah. to is like you do have to compromise. Well, the other people. thing, people too, are living. You the other know? thing
1: too is is the age of them when they did this stuff. So pretty young guys. Madison was in his late 30s when the Constitutional Convention happened. Jefferson was in his young 30s when he wrote the Declaration. I mean, like I said earlier, Washington was you know, I think like 43 when he was in the constitutional as the general Benjamin Franklin was like the old man of the group. And he was arguably like, let's be real. Probably one of the smartest humans, maybe not ever, but like I put him in the top 100 or something like that. Um, You know, that stuff that flashes in the sky. (laughs) I think I'll take a crack at it. (laughs) (laughs) But I, um, you know, to your point, uh, Chris, I think part of it is, is that a lot of people, I think so many people, they don't know how to have a conversation with someone that has an opposing viewpoint, or even, even if we agree on eight out of nine things or eight out of 10 things, let's say 80%, you're going to focus on those two. And so much of the conversation, I mean, it, it turns on how am i going to win that argument on that too, versus, Hey, we all can agree that Maybe schools need more funding. Like, oh, okay, all of us agree on that. Well, why don't we do something? Why don't we focus on that one thing first? And I think to go back way earlier what you said about what does need to be happened today, if you look at some of these freaking bills that they've been passing in Congress, where, you know, let's take the COVID relief bill. It's $5 trillion. Well, if you start breaking it down, you'll find out maybe there's like a hundred million dollars to the JFK art center or like, you know, it's like weird stuff like gender studies in Pakistan or or like weird, like stuff like where it's like, the fuck does this have to do with yeah? You can
2: go on the federal website, I think, and see how those are all broken down, right?
1: Yeah, you can read the you can read the bills, but the, the other problem is is it's that it's in plain sight. If too. they if they give it to them, if they're gonna do a vote that day and they get and you're a congressperson, they give it to you um six hours before the vote and it's a thousand pages, you're not gonna be able to read it at all. Um you might just then say, Well, what's in this? And then your party leader was like, just vote for it. It's our bill. That's uh, I feel like that's a it's
2: interesting. Yeah. It's interesting because it almost feels like people. I feel this way, but like, it's like you don't really have a choice. You have A or you have B. Like we're putting a box now. Where these guys back then, they had the creativity and they were able to think in different ways. Now it's like you're a Democrat, or you're a Republican, the, the, and and you can't think what they think, and you can't think what they think, and if you do, you're your opposing sides, and it's treason. It just they, seems
0: like no, they definitely had that though, yeah. because
2: you had like the Tories and the people that supported
0: it and all this kind of stuff. Like yeah. Well, we support this. Like, how could you want to secede from the,
2: the, the
0: British, Empire. British Empire? I'm not saying
2: that it didn't exist, but they, like you said, I think they were, their ability to compromise more was... Awesome. Yeah, until, I don't know, because until, they really had to go through, yeah. like, severe bloodshed. No,
0: and, like, when they went yeah. through to, some to of Chris's this... Chris's
1: point, so that's, that's the thing that we have to be careful of, is that if we idolize them too much... Like, Jefferson and Adams didn't talk to each other for, like, 10, 14 yeah. years after, you know, Adams was president because of the political differences that they had. And if you look past before that for like 30 years, they were like the awkward couple, like, you know, the, uh, mm. the, that partnership that they had, but you know, they, they did have some serious like political fighting. Yeah. Cause days was fucking and then yeah. something <laughs> <happened. That's> strange, <laughs> But no, it's uh yeah, I guess when
2: you look at it that way that, yeah. yeah,
1: no, that's a good point
0: of like not not idolizing some of the stuff that's what I like about this because it it takes it away from that idyllic piece of it and kind of brings it into reality of like no, people were going through this this is this is why I say i'm I'm kind of I'm afraid that that's the direction of. The country of the world right now, and maybe it is more world based, or maybe it's more like the economic tier of the country based. You know, because like I, I'd, I'd say we feel I feel like we're very similar to us, the UK, Australia, like all like maybe there's some other countries on the list, but like similar like economic or like philosophical countries, we. we're almost kind of united like you watch it sound this might sound really stupid but like you can watch videos on youtube of people in england or in australia or you could do online business with people there and like they just seem kind of like a different kind of american you know (laughs) like it's
1: like oh you know they're kind of similar but well it's a shared language and culture and western norms sure
0: I guess I'm fucking rambling, but the point is like when you look at this stuff, like we're not that different than the group of people that went to fucking war and had a really fucking bloody and brutal way of dealing with this stuff. And
1: it's, I don't want to go that route. You yeah. know, like, I, I don't think there'll be a major war anytime soon, personally. I think at the end of the day, it, there's so much money and, you know, everyone. Even me, I'd like, you know, China is, you know, a danger, but. Did you say China productions? China, 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 (sighs) China, China. China. But our, if you look at how much money gets passed between our country and their country and how economically tied both of them are, a a war on any sort of scale is the, would be idiotic. So stupid. But. The one thing I will say, which is there's probably a lot of crap that we don't even know about that happens on the other side of the world that is like, okay, why is is this happening? Like, if you look, I mean, we have bases in like 100 different countries, for instance. What's to say if, uh, you know, a CIA squad goes in there and wipes out a village or something like that? Like, we probably don't even know about that. But fast forward twenty years, then you know, you got some guy who leaves a bomb in uh, college or something, and you start looking into it, and you're like, "Well, where is this place?" Like, I know we were all kids when nine eleven happened, but did we have any idea what the hell Afghanistan was? No. No. Yeah, exactly. You know. And the other thing, uh, and again, now I'm rambling. The one thing I will say is that our generation is probably the last one that will actually remember. Seeing nine eleven actually happen, and now you have to kind of take the mantle of educating people as far as why that happened or how this was what happened in X Y Z, and kind of going into that Um, because think about us growing up. Pearl Harbor, this happened on this date, which we then went to World yeah, War Two. That's a great point. Yeah, they didn't talk about anything else besides like what happened before anything yeah. like what what caused Japan to to bomb Pearl Harbor? You know, it's stuff like that. that gets glossed over. So, yeah. But what
0: I'm saying even is like the way that we're set up now with like, isn't it? You always hear the saying like taxation without representation, that type of thing was maybe the main sentiment that led to the revolution and things like that. I mean, You had a power structure that was far away that wasn't that didn't view these citizens as like the same as their citizens. It was like a colonial takeover. Like. I don't feel like we're very well represented in our country today. Like we I I personally look at all the stuff that's going on and it's like. Dude, who who are these people like who who? Who even is, like, I would just say Nancy Pelosi because I only know really of her. The fucking Republicans are just as bad. This isn't like (laughs) leftist suck. It's like, but when you're in the middle of a pandemic and your move is to go on a, a Zoom call on a late night talk show and show everybody your ice cream (laughs) drawer and tell everybody like dude it is literally like i'm watching like a scene from the hunger games or something absolutely like when everybody's fucking hair is blue and all this stuff and they're doing like all this crazy shit like like it's so such disconnection from reality and then you have what most of the country what's the average like doesn't even have five hundred dollars in their bank account. So, yeah. You have a bunch of people that That's have sad. fucking student loan debt that got sold this bill of goods that you're gonna go to college, you're gonna make all this money, and then you get out and they're like, Here's a call center job. Yeah. It's gonna be thirty three K. Have fun, dude. And you're like, <laughs> Okay, yeah. should I just fucking kill myself or should I try to pay this back?
1: Well, it like, depends on how you uh on how you look at human progress. What do you so, mean? So if you're a globalist, right? you know, the last 20 years, you could argue that you've helped increase almost a billion people into the middle class by the economic growth and production that China and India have done. So if you're a globalist now, what we're talking about is an American aspect. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, we have more debt. I mean, younger people so like Millennials for instance have more debt than anything else and the other thing that a lot of people aren't really talking about is there's a declining birth rate also so what happens when you aren't producing enough humans to refill society society starts degressing and that's mm, actually the wow. uh, so it it you have to have like I think the numbers like 2.1 It has to average out to like 2.1 or 2.2 kids per couple.
2: Until you just said that. I watched a documentary. I I don't know what it was called, but it was about how the world is almost somehow, somehow, somewhere as humanity, we're just understanding that we need to have less kids. when you say it that way? That opens up a different, different world. Yeah. it, It
1: depends on which, which, part of the world like
2: environmentally yeah they're saying humanity there's too many humans yeah there's there's, we there's too many of us to support everyone with the amount of resources that we have
1: well it's um you know there's there's some pretty scary projections where like by 2030 like a quarter of the population's not going to have drinkable water and if you want to talk about war i mean people might would literally probably kill each other for water um, or you would die. Yeah, yeah. So it's um, it it's that's the uh the kind of you know weird stuff if there's not a a focus on it or a solution that comes to play. But to to your point though, Chris, I mean, I I not to I'm a uh I believe in capitalism, but I don't think capitalism should be allowed to run wild. Yeah, you know. So so uh, so uh you know to the best the the issue i have is that if you take a say a company like like google for instance or apple if they have a dominant market share but if they use their domination to stifle or buy out the up and coming you know product that is eliminate eliminating say innovation like facebook for instance i don't know anyone that really uses facebook anymore you know how it was yeah. before but what, what did they do? They bought out, say, Instagram, for instance, WhatsApp. WhatsApp. Yeah. They bought all these other things. Or Google. Google's main profit is digital advertising. Yeah. They don't make any money from being a search engine. That's a free thing. But go on YouTube. What are you going to get every time you open up a video? Ads. Ads, ads, ads. That's it.
0: Yeah. So I think the main lesson from today is that <laughs> you're starting your own online business or what? Oh, wow, no, I it.
1: wish. I wish. Maybe. No, but so like I'm I not smart I, enough.
0: I guess just as we, uh, I guess as we're kind of <laughs> wrapping this up, like the the reason why I asked these questions and that out of water by 2030 was not something that I had known about. So I'm gonna try to look into that but look at some of the weird shit that's going on in Central Asia like I learned a
2: lot of stuff this this evening
0: so like (laughs) all right so what I'm trying to what, what I'm trying to get out of this here too is how do we how do we move forward and and try to fucking make this like a better place like what can we do to get I guess that that is it is like keep try to keep your head out of these fucking stupid ass arguments and these stupid ass like things that people just say in the news and all this stuff and try to figure out solutions to move forward. And maybe you got to look at history. You got to look at what's really going on in the world to do that. I'm speaking out of somebody that's not really doing this right now. So I'm just (laughs) almost trying to talk through this as like my own plan. But like, yeah, like how, how, how do we take stuff like this and avoid a fucking, bloody revolution and make the world a better place. I, I think
1: what's <laughs> what's important to look at is when you're studying history is you're not looking for like the gospel or anything like that. Yeah. You're looking at lessons that they did. You know, what, what can you learn from this individual? What can you learn from their mistakes? How would you handle that? Like uh, another reason why a lot of historians like John Adams is that the stuff that he left behind, like if he was reading a a political science book or, or, you know, a pamphlet, he would write down his arguments against things he didn't agree with. So if he was, say, reading a, a hypothetical, if the declaration was written when he was, say, like 60 years old, his copy of it would have his notes on the side on the things that he disagreed with. So that's why a lot of historians like his his work or his letters or anything like that. Anything that he read, he would, and he was kind of like a bulldog where he would kind of go right at it and be like in your face and his arguments. So he would write down his, it, like, it, it, like that's why a lot of historians like it. And Very that's pers- why. personal yeah, piece yeah. of history. But I would just say like, you know, try and get your lessons from there. I think a lot of the problems with today, a lot of people, is that we are overly connected to a lot of things. I mean, it seems like there's a social media for every little thing. You have to have all of them. You have to check them all the time. You have tweets, that notifications, all this stuff. What helps me out, and uh, hopefully no one from work watches this, but I mute all my stuff. So I actually have to make a conscious effort to go check my email. I have to make a conscious effort to check my pings at work. If I have a meeting that cancels in that 30 minutes, I'm not going to diddle down around. I'm going to read, okay, my client is talking to me about AI. What can I learn about that? Okay. This news article just came out. Let me read that for 15 minutes so that I can have a better conversation with my client.
0: Yeah. Cause I, I have that overwhelm too. And I feel yeah. like there's so much, so much information that I can't, I can't keep track of it, and I, I, I never not have a feeling of feeling drowned.
1: If you read, um, the next overwhelming, the next books I'll give you guys is a uh, The book club for the book club. If you guys the book club, the, the book club, the book club. There's two books: Deep Work by Cal Newport. Yeah, I've heard of it. And then there's another book that came out, I believe, last year. It's called Atomic Habits by James Clear. You told me to get yeah, that one, yeah, and I see. totally just ignored it because
0: Matt gave it to me or t- recommended. I
2: probably it. got it from <laughs> the Prater Instagram, maybe. Oh,
0: that could be because you sent it a while ago. And what I do is when you make book recommendations, I just say no. I take <laughs> I take them. I type them into my see if I send you I type them into my phone bro. tab, and I leave it as like a tab, so yeah. that way when I look at scroll through that like four months later, I find it atomic yeah.
1: habits and deep work deep work deep work is all about if you're going to do one thing you focus on that one thing so you know if you if you plan your day out by using your calendar right on say outlook if 9 to 10 is for you to say read on business management or website development or advertisement you spend that full hour reading on that you're not checking your email, you're not looking at your phone, you're not putting it in the other room. That's like kind of, this is the gist of the book is like focus on what you're doing on that time that you allocated for it. If you want to watch uh, or attend a, a TED talk or something like that for say two hours, turn everything else off and watch that for the two hours. And then maybe the next, the last hour of your day, check your email, check your phone, check all that stuff. Because all that, I mean, time gets away from you when you're doing that kind of that monotonous, you know, I shouldn't say monotonous, but like it gets monotonous.
0: Well, and it also becomes a time suck. You don't focus on anything. So all of a sudden you're just, it's like a bunch of little
1: fucking holes in your shit on top of
2: it. Now you have your computer open. There's a billion things that you can be looking at or should be doing. You're getting phone calls. So yeah, just everything's take you away.
1: Yeah. It's all about, it's all about being focused on one thing at the time. That's it. And then the atomic habits is all about just I would say that just of that one is just 1% increases. So how are you going to get how are you going to improve 1% day over day? And the the phone is honestly the biggest distraction. The atomic <laughs> habits. <laughs> yeah. talk about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was that was my biggest takeaway from it is just 1% increase day over day. How are you going to improve 1%? So if you want to become a better reader, and you say you don't have time. Okay, well, you know what? Set set ten minutes aside one day. Read for ten minutes. Might be like say four pages of a book. Okay, well, you read you read ten minutes. It's like, you know what? Ten minutes wasn't so bad. Maybe I'll read for 15 minutes tomorrow. You read for 15 minutes. Then becomes 30 minutes, an hour, whatever. Or it it could be and he gives a thing about like I think his example was push ups. So if you want to do hundred push ups, you're not gonna start with a hundred. You know what? Start today off with doing five. Five is too easy. Tomorrow, do 10. Then just start working your weights. Continue to improve. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, I think that's the main lesson. Just do more push ups. <laughs> yeah. Start with
2: five, go to 10. Cool.
1: I, mean, I can't do 10.
2: You can't do 10 push ups?
1: Yeah, can. Matt watched me work out. He can tell Dude, you. You could do can fucking Mace 10 push ups. He's a lion.
2: Mace <laughs> could probably do 12 push ups. 12? Yeah. Yeah. I have to use my knees. <laughs> Girl, push up. You getting pinged?
1: Sorry. Yeah. Yes.
0: Well, I guess we got to fucking
1: Sorry cancel voice. this
0: episode because we had a phone ring. I apologize. Spilled I water.
1: water. Spilled water. Spilled water. My
2: phone's dinging off. I
1: had to take a potty break in the middle yeah, of the Mason show. had to go pee. Okay. Oh, go pee pee. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for doing this, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I was, pretty pretty cool. that was
2: awesome. Yeah. Make yeah, sure yeah. Let's see this again for sure. Yeah.
0: All right. Cool. Thank you,
2: everybody. Adios. Have a good night.